here we are with episode 94, and we want to talk about worship team rehearsals. Rehearsals are really the contract for the weekend. You're setting up a plan that everyone agrees upon, a plan to execute this week with the team for the church. And today we're going to have a quick conversation about a great flow for doing that. Well, here we are again, ready to record another episode of the Worship Leader Toolbox. Hey, Tim, what's the most fun you have in recording this podcast? I'd say for me, it's the the good pressure of thinking and learning and kind of keep doing that, the habit of it, more about worship ministry. It's fun also knowing that um, a whole bunch of people are listening, that um, we're helping people near and far. So that's pretty cool. What about for you? Well, I came for the snacks. <laughs> Uh, we're, we're the trail, at the, the trail mix was good. Yeah. Yeah. We're at the church today instead of our normal zoom, uh, podcasting and there's a VBS going on and you know, VBS snacks. That's, that's the best. If I was going to cater, I would, I would call myself VBS snacks. I come for the snacks. That's hilarious. Yeah. Cater snacks for VBS. That's right. <laughs> uh, well for me, for this podcast, I am learning a whole lot and I, 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 I don't know everything. In fact, I don't know a whole lot about, uh, worship in general until the last couple of years as I've been doing this. And, um, I'm, I just love learning. So this is, this is great for me. That's cool. So on to today's topic of rehearsals. Yeah. Sundays really do come around quickly. And you've probably heard that phrase before every seven days, in some ways it feels relentless unless you can get systems going that make it easier. And um, if you're winging it every week, you have a tendency, much higher tendency probably to burn out. But systems uh, make it better. And one of those big systems is the um, opportunity to prepare midweek in some sort of rehearsal with your team. And a lot of times people will look at Sunday morning and something will go wrong, something won't work right, or it won't be as effective as they wished. And they kind of try to fix Sunday morning. But what you have to do is really back up a few steps and say, so what led to that? What led to that? What led to that? And a lot of times you can get down to uh, the preparation of a midweek practice time. And so if you'd like to know more about that, we have a, a post on the blog. You can go to worshipleadertoolbox.com and look up five D's of worship ministry. And that kind of gives you those that, that look back on um, your preparation before Sunday. And, uh, helps you think a little bit more for the best results. And so one of those things is the rehearsal, and that's what we're going to be talking about. We know this will be practical and helpful. So here we go with some thoughts on rehearsals for your worship team. And it begins with preparation. Yeah, the um, each of these points we have here, Dave, are like there's 10 of them, and it's pretty, um, pretty cut and dried. But... Um, a rehearsal is not going to be effective if you don't know what you're rehearsing. So you have to have that level of preparation beforehand. And um, you have to have songs ready for people in advance. There's one phrase uh, that we always try to instill around here, which is practice on your own, rehearse together. So you really don't want people showing up to your rehearsal time saying, whoa, that's a new one. I've never seen this one before. I mean, that's it's better than nothing, but it sure does make it hard for the people who have invested a couple of hours learning everything before they got there. So we need to have songs in and ready and available in plenty of time so people are able to prepare for um, practice on at home and prepare for being with everybody. And that's going to maximize the time. But a lot of that preparation does come from the worship leader or the worship leadership team of some sort. And so you definitely want to um, figure out a way to get everything ready for that midweek time. And uh, a lot of that can be done in planning center, but other churches have other flows too. So 
the uh, the word rehearsal. Is there something that you're redoing, or did you did you rehearse for the first time? Is that how that works? <laughs> oh, so like you rehearsed, and now you got to rehearse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am not sure where that. Uh, I always thought that was funny. The whole thing. Yeah, it's a practice or trial performance of a play or other work for later public performance. Hmm. And that's the definition of it, which makes sense. But I don't know where that word came from or or how that works. But uh, it would make it seem like you would hearse and then rehearse. Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't want to do that in a funeral. No, I was going to say, <laughs> hearse, one, one hearse is enough in a funeral. Well, number two is arrive early. Yeah, these one, two, and three actually kind of go together, but... Um, I, I always just want to arrive early enough and make sure my stuff is in place for rehearsal. So I try to have my guitar and my, you know, I have very few accessories. I plug into a direct box and put a capo on the end, but, um, I try to have all that ready. My microphone, batteries, wireless pack, everything I need to do. I try to have ready because, uh, there's a lot of powerful time of talking and visiting and checking through the details that happens in the 15 minutes before rehearsal starts. So you don't want to be you know, walking in with everybody else and as a leader, at least. And even the, the worship team members, if we're going to, you know, rehearsal starts at seven, if that's the downbeat, then you want everybody to be on stage ready. Uh, some churches really focus in on call time versus downbeat. Like, hey, call time is 630, rehearsal starts at seven or whatever, you know, 15 minutes might be enough for people. But I put arrive early in my flow because um, I want me for sure as a leader to be there. I want the sound people to be there early, make sure everything's ready. And we want the team to be uh, early too. So there's no such thing as on time. You're either early or late. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. you can't walk in at seven and be ready. So you're late. Yeah. So that's a, that's kind of a unique thing. So, and that's part of prep- preparation. Arriving early helps there to be good preparation. So, mm-hmm. and it goes with number three, which is greeting team members. And that's such a big part. If you, don't have a relationship with your team, then when you're asking them to do things, you're kind of hitting them up. It's almost like you're calling for like a donation for the local, you know, whatever. But if you have a relationship, then you're not just hitting them up. You're all in this together. And so that, um, that beginning of rehearsal time of greeting your team and just saying, how's it going? And, uh, follow up with this story from last week or a prayer request or, you know, just saying, Oh, cool. New guitar. I mean, just anything you can say, yeah. that's the prime time to do it. Oh, that's my favorite. Uh, you get to know everybody and, and there's a, like ongoing jokes about something. I, I can't remember our own ongoing jokes, but well, even if you said them, it wouldn't make any sense to anybody else. So it well, that's matter. right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Ins- inside jokes. I mean, yeah, the, the like sarcasm type mentality and inside jokes is, mm-hmm. is a huge ordeal and it, it comes off pretty well. I mean, there's like, you never know what kind of craziness is going to happen. But, but I do know on a side note that sarcasm from the stage in certain settings doesn't translate. Uh-huh. So I know we've talked about, it, I think before, but if you have such banter among your stage crew band or whoever, and that comes through the microphones, yeah, the new pro presenter operator in the back is going to be like, what kind of group is this? Like it right. didn't translate because they, they're not in that loop. And so you got to make sure everybody's really in that loop. Otherwise it can like backfire. Well, and if you have a smaller church like mine, where you've got people coming and going in the sanctuary during practice time, cause they're facilitating other things, setting up the, um, the Sunday school and whatever. Yep. If you're bantering and one guy is on a microphone and the other guys are not, and his one side of conversation, uh, that can come across. People can take that wrong too, yeah. depending on what it is. So definitely that's true too. 
How about number four, obvious beginning? And this might be obvious, no pun intended, but um, somebody at the right time has to pull everybody in to say, all right, let's start. And um, when I do that, I try to do it right about the right time, and whether people are there or not. And here, there's just a few nuances, and I'm not bashing anybody at our church, but sometimes there are people who are consistently late. And if that person is late, I intentionally start immediately, and I don't stop really to greet them. Because one of the best ways to uh, encourage lateness is to stop and greet somebody as they come in late. Like that's mm -hmm. like encouragement. Cause you're like, Whoa, special attention. Yeah. So if I know somebody's kind of deals with that issue of being late, I start as soon as we can for rehearsal. And I, I just plow through a song and they kind of scramble to set up because they realize, Ooh, it's like a weird, it's mm -hmm. like a little bit of pressure without saying much. If somebody is late who usually is never late and usually is there always 15 minutes early, like maybe they had car trouble or something happened on the road. At those times, I will, like, we may not start right away. We're like, hey, let's text this guy. This is weird. He's not here. Mm -hmm. And so there's nuances, and that's all part of the relationship. And, again, I don't, like, maliciously try to make people feel bad. I just try to give them a little pressure of, like, hey, we started, and you're late. <laughs> there is that struggle because you don't want to be an enabler. You don't want to say to this person that's late all the time, yeah, that's fine. You can be late. And yeah, what you, do you, can't, want? you can't do that. You have to put your foot down somewhere. But you don't want to miss out on greeting time you don't want to miss out on some of the banter and, and, and the relationship things yeah. and yeah that's the that's the whole thing but the the deal is there's a difference between you know everybody has a bad off night somewhere mm -hmm. and you can have two or three of those a year it'd be fine but if you're consistently dealing with mm -hmm. oh yeah i'm not gonna be there then that that becomes a, a problem you got to figure that out at some point but the obvious beginning is like somebody has to say um and here's what i usually do uh I usually will talk in the mic so that the whole team can hear it, even the person up in the tech booth and anybody else who's around. And because of in-ears, uh, nobody can hear me if I just randomly say it. So I talk in the mic to let everybody know that we're starting. And I don't just say, we're starting. I say something like, all right, as we get going here tonight, and there might still be somebody up there trying to get their batteries in or somebody trying to, you know, plug something in. But I say, as we get going tonight, just a couple things I need to let everybody know. And these things are usually things that I will wind up saying again, because this very first thing isn't the optimal time to tell people stuff to keep it in their brains. But I might make an announcement or share something the whole church may not know yet, but just want to tell the worship team so they feel like they're kind of in the know. Or some background for why we had to change a song last minute, like, and just so everybody knows, I know you didn't get a chance to really look at this song, but pastor wanted to switch because uh, last minute thought this might be a good fit. So we're going to do our best to oblige. If it works, great. If it doesn't, I'll just do it myself. I mean, like, no pressure. We're going to try to do this. And then if there's any new team members or something like that. So that's where we'll say, hey, this person is new and we're glad to have them and make sure you talk to them at the end or whatever. So then after I say a few of those things, I'll say, um, let's get ready to pray and we're going to get ready to, to start. And by that point, everybody is calmed down, quiet. They're all there and we're getting ready to start. And so... On Sunday mornings, I'll usually do a similar thing, but I'll maybe read a scripture or something or, you know, do something like that and then do the same thing. So, yeah, obvious beginning. You don't want to just kind of fall into rehearsal. You want to, like, have a starting point. Mm -hmm. Do you end it also? Do you have an obvious ending? Yeah, that's not in here, but I do have an obvious ending. And the obvious ending is, um, and actually number five here is prayer, so we can just roll this in, but um, we usually pray before and after. And if we forget to pray before, then we for sure pray after. 
And sometimes we forget to pray before. And not that I think of prayers like magic, but there are times when we don't pray and then we're standing up for 20 minutes trying to get some bug worked out. I'm like, we didn't pray, did we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we'll pray and it seems like everything like clicks again. And, and that's just part of, you know, faithfulness and walking the road of faith and learning and growing and all that. But usually the end, I will say something along the lines of, this was great. We've done well. Anything else anybody needs to just ask or check or some song you want to try something again for. Or I'll say, I realize that we are five minutes over time, um, but let's do this song one more time and then we're finished, officially finished. Mm-hmm. And so um, I probably say that phrase almost every rehearsal. This is official or we're officially done or thank you, everybody. You can head home. Or if it's before Sunday morning and stuff hasn't worked right, but we have to get off stage because everybody's starting to come in. I'll say every man for himself. Yeah, (laughs) that's good. And then number five, I already mentioned, roll that in. We, we pray at the beginning of rehearsal and end. So that's, that's just a part of, um, you know, the, the obvious beginning and ending transition. And just because we want to continue to build the culture that we're relying and trusting and, uh, and just following through on the discipline that we are opening our lives as vessels so that God can fill us and reach people through us. So that's kind of the, the reason for praying. Amen. Number six, let the sound team take control. I'm immediately reminded of a meme that I saw the other day. Actually, it wasn't even a meme. It was a legit uh, photograph. It's a big old sound booth in big church. And somebody had handwritten on a piece of paper and then taped it to the screen of the of the sound booth. Um, operator's instructions. And so it says, uh, when a vocalist or anybody asks you to um, adjust their sound up or down. Here's the proper sequence. Um, if it's, can you move me a little bit up? Um, pretend to wiggle a knob. <laughs> if they say I, I need it up just a tad, it's, it's five decibels, whatever. And then I forget what all the sequence of all the, uh, all the things were, but it was, it was hilarious. It's like this. Yeah. The, it's like code. Yeah. Like translation of what somebody says. Yeah. And, and it, and it sums up, you don't, they aren't actually moving you hardly at all, but it makes you feel good. And mm. I, I've been in that, uh, on both sides of that equation, I've been like, well, I, I can't really crank you up too loud because I'm on duty for that day for that thing. Uh, or I'm on the other side of, well, man, if I ask them to turn me up, then we're going to, all of us are going to have to be turned up and stuff. So it's, you have to feel that balance. But uh, I have to just trust that even if I can't um, hear myself all that well, that really it's not about me. Yeah. It's, it's about what's coming out to the congregation and uh, trust that they're, they're doing what they need to do. So that's why I actually enjoy playing acoustic guitar more than electric guitar because you can feel those vibrations mm-hmm. and you can almost use that as almost a monitor versus electric, which unless you're using a specific amp, you know, if you're just plugged straight in, you got nothing. That's definitely true. Yeah. Yeah. The sound guy's like the most important one. Yeah. Back there. You really got to trust him to know the sound yeah. is good back there because the perfect monitor mixes are like five Sundays a year. Yeah. Like, and then the other times it's a little bit wonky. It's, it's nice if you have an app where you can do your own mix and you kind of tweak it, but even then you can't tweak to perfection. It's pretty much just triage yeah. and hearing enough. But but that is true. Um, sometimes in our summer travels where it really is like camp sound systems, if somebody says, turn me up, a lot of the sound people will just turn everything else down. Yeah. <laughs> so otherwise you just go up and up and up pretty soon. You're out of room and yeah. can't do anything with it. But um yeah, that that's awesome. What you just said is is exactly right. The and and this letting the sound team take control is a little bit of a, a culture thing. Like depending on your church, there's a lot of ways to do this. Some huge churches have you know monitor sound guys, mm-hmm. or just the stage people, and then the house sound guys. 
other churches may have like a, a producer mindset of a person who's there or a, a music director. There's, there's a lot of ways to do this, but in our church and a really simple way is after we get ready to start, uh, um, or, or even like if we're starting at seven and there are a couple bugs to work out, like we just had a concert the night before. And so we got to tweak things a little bit differently. Preschool event happened or something like that before all that official starting stuff, we'll turn to the sound guy to say, okay, what do you need from us? So that he can, or she can have time to say, I need some kick drum, play electric guitar. And so the sound guy just takes control for a while and speaks into the mic and says, all right, here's what I need you to check. Mm -hmm. And so that is like a good, um, one, it's a good team builder of everybody knowing the worship band and the tech team is all one big group and we don't just bark out orders. In fact, if anything, they bark out orders to us because <laughs> they yeah. need to know. I mean, they're the ones going to make it sound good for Sunday morning. So they have to have time to make that happen. And your experience uh, is a sign of a good sound guy. The fact that he gives himself a microphone so that you can hear what he's trying to tell you. Well, there there's two different worlds of that in like the old world before in your monitors, our church, everybody just yelled like, hey, Jim, can you do this? And we had the same sound guy for like 12 years. And every Sunday and in the new world of in-ear monitors, you can't do that anymore. So yeah, the sound guy has to have a microphone just to speak into the ears. And over the years, then, um, that sound person or production person, either one has kind of grown into kind of being a, a service person, like a producer type role. In addition to tech sound tech, because, um, uh, our schedules change now, but for a lot of years, like a decade, we had overlapping services where the preacher ended the sermon and walked down and began preaching immediately because oh, we had wow. already done the music. And so we had to time that out every week and about five to six times a year, something would go wrong and the preacher wouldn't be down there as we closed out our last song and prayer before he was supposed to start. Oh, <laughs> so wow! It would be like just this weird little moment. And a lot of times during that, then the sound guy would be monitoring it on live feed or by an usher walking up just to see where he's at. And he, while we were singing the last song, would just speak into our ears. Only we could hear him. He'd be like, uh, you're going to have to stall for about 45 seconds or whatever. Like, wow. <laughs> so sometimes we would sing another verse. Other times I would just have people talk amongst themselves and, you know, ask a question relating to the topic of the message. Or mm -hmm. sometimes I would just stand there and say nothing. I don't know. I don't know even what we did. I, I should look back at some of those videos and just watch what we did. But even just this week, and we haven't had that schedule for uh, nine months now. Even just this week, um, I was talking to a guy who said, I always loved it whenever you stood up there and just made things up when the preacher wasn't there. Those were the best. <laughs> yeah. It was like, it really it drew everybody in. Yeah. To, like feeling like they're part of the family. Like here we are in the living room waiting for the preacher. <laughs> yeah. Unproduced. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Unproduced. That's yeah. what it felt like. That's the best. Uh, if you have too much unproduced, then, uh, you know, randomness can happen and it's not as fun anymore. But uh, I think it's it's whenever you have this structure, 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 and then one Sunday you have a little bit of a break in the structure and people can see behind the curtain a little bit and uh, Ooh, it yeah. shows that you're human. Yep, that's really good. That's really good. Well, I've been letting you do the odd ones. I've been doing the even ones, so it's your turn. Oh, <laughs> I don't mind being odd. Um, the, the This next one is start the song rehearsal which is in my mind, a different part. It's like the important part of the whole rehearsal, but it's a piece of it as opposed to the only thing you do. So, um, the way we do song rehearsal after we've prepped and greeted and sound and all this stuff. And, and this is, a, you know, 
if the whole thing is an hour and 45 minutes, this is an hour and 20 minutes of it. Like this, this part. And usually our whole rehearsal is an hour and 15 minutes because it starts so late because of youth group anyway. But um, say there's four or five songs we need to run through. And we often will just start with number one and go to number five. Unless song number one is brand new. Then we'll start with number two because everybody knows it. It's much easier to do a sound check on a song you know than some random song that you've never done. So we uh, we try to make sure that we we try to make sure that we uh, do a song that everybody kind of knows. And then if we know that um, uh, on on our sound checks on Sunday mornings, this is a little different because we have a, a you know kind of a sound check rehearsal on Sunday mornings before worship, but. Um, sometimes I'll bump that around a little bit because of the nature of a higher key in the morning. So we might do the two lower keyed songs to start with and then go to the high one once everybody's a little bit more warmed up. So that's just like one little nuance for that. But as far as the songs go, if there's a song that we, we go through every song, because even if you pull out, open the eyes of my heart for some reason, you think everybody knows it, but everybody knows it a different way. Mm -hmm. So you have to rehearse everything so that everybody has a chance. And then the other thing is, is that there are a few songs that we've sung a million times. So we uh, lately have sung Same God a lot. And so we don't need to fine tune that one. It's fine tuned. Like everybody knows it. Everybody's got it. Everybody's done it at least once or twice. And we just play the song, run through it. Everybody's happy. Check it off the list. But if there's a song that is newer or somebody hasn't done it much or it's a little funky or we have a new arrangement or something like that. Um, I usually try to do those early in the set of the rehearsal so that when we come back to it a few minutes later, everybody's had time to let it digest in their brains. So, mm-hmm. so there's a benefit to just doing straight through for the sake of Ableton and tracks and clicks. And there's also a benefit to piecing it together a little bit so you can do it. Optimally, it would be great to go through everything kind of piecemeal and make sure everybody knows the song and then say, all right, our last 20 minutes, one to five do all the songs Mm -hmm. and so we've done it that way too before so it just kind of depends what do you do with um when there's like a an instrumental riff like an interlude there's a song uh i can't think of the song right now (laughs) oh i believe hensler's hensley's whatever those guys they've got a nice little interlude where it's like da 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 Da, 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 right in the middle uh-huh. and so you know the, the vocalists don't need to be there with that part you know it's with, but when you want your band to really nail that uh you do want to have this little side thing of okay well we're going to do this thing for a little bit do you ever just split and say hey we're going to do vocals uh this night and instruments that night or even hey the first uh 30 minutes is just going to be vocal training vocal rehearsal whatever and then we're going to bring in the instruments you ever split them like that yeah i mean i i know churches that do it that way they kind of have like the vocal section leader and then the band section leader kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and we have on occasion done that, but nothing consistent. Like there've been times we've gotten vocals together for a special, uh, whatever was going on in this particular song. But, um, for the most part, I trust that, um, so anyway, yeah, you could go, you could go big like that. Mm-hmm. It might be difficult in life to have two separate nights because then you'd be, unless you're having like a worship choir type feel it, mm-hmm. it'd be hard to, uh, you know, just give up two nights trying to put everybody together. But in one sense, what I usually do is think that if there's something special we're trying to put together like that, like a cool intro or a neat instrumental, um, there are times in the rehearsal that we'll say something like, all right, vocals, you guys are finished. All the songs are great. Uh, all the instrumentalists will stick around for five more minutes and 
figure out what we're going to do for the ending jam as people are leaving. Like mm -hmm. that's like simple to do that kind of stuff. The other thing is, is that I'm fine if there's something really unique to just keep everybody as one big happy family and basically say, all right, praise band, uh, give us a second vocals. We're all going to sing that vocals only, no instrumentation. We're going to make sure this harmony is right. Mm -hmm. And, and in that sense, then sometimes the vocals have to wait. Sometimes the band has to wait, but everybody's kind of supporting each other in that. What you don't want to do though, is do that for every single song, every single night, mm -hmm. because then everybody gets, you know, it just kind of seems like a time waster. One principle of good song rehearsal is that, um, if you waste five minutes, you didn't just waste five minutes. You just wasted 25 minutes because five people on the stage times five minutes each of Ooh. their lives. So now you've wasted almost half hour wow. just going through a little thing. And so I always think about that when we are like dinking around with a direct box that didn't work or somebody's like, well, I'm not sure if I know the melody that could you sing a little bit more for that? Like yeah. if they had just done that on their own, we would have re grouped and you know saved our all our lives a lot of minutes yeah <laughs> so you always have to times it by your number of team members and that's another reason for motivation for prep like you don't just stand around and say what do you guys want to do mm -hmm. like that that's good on occasion for a creative spurt of one measure but not for all the songs mm -hmm. and i actually am convicted every time i think about that because there's a lot of times i'll go in with realize oh man how'd that happen this song's in the wrong key everybody's practiced this song in the wrong key so either oh, somebody man. else has to sing it or i've got to change what i'm doing and um and thankfully i think most of our team has like picked up on the fact that i'm not self-aware about some of my disorganizational stuff and so they're like that's fine we can move <laughs> so then they all just shift down or up or whatever but you know if that happened every single week that would really get annoying hmm. and in my life it probably happens once every two months or something some little snag like that. And, and I've been going at this at the same church for like 23 years or something. So I guess it's okay, but it's probably not optimal. Uh, you know what? It, <laughs> it shows that you're human. I mean, if you're going to be a leader and everybody's looking up to you and, and taking an example, if you are perfect all the time, that, that is, that is rough mm. serving under a leader that is, that somehow is perfect all the time, or at least gives that, that, uh, yeah. Im impression. Yeah, so people, when you see that humanness, you're like, okay, I could do this thing. This is, this is okay. Yeah. Craig Grishel always says people would rather know you're real than know you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so. Number eight, putting people at ease. So these last two or three are really after the music rehearsal is done because you know after the music rehearsal we kind of do that little final ending so this is just a principle of rehearsals but we want to do our best to help people um you know have pressure to do their best but at the same time we don't want people to be so overwhelmed with the pressure to be excellent that it's no longer fun or they're not able to do it or they you know burn out or whatever so leading worship should be fun and one of the things i've learned over the years is the balance of that is that people are most motivated when it's successful. So mm -hmm. if you invest all this time and then somebody gets done singing a song they've been working on for two weeks and the band sounded great, but they realize their microphone wasn't up very loud. Like mm -hmm. they, they get out and their church is over and their husband or wife is like, well, you weren't really up that loud. I couldn't really hear you. Hmm. And it's like, oh man, for one, I wanted to tell those husbands and wives, go back to the sound guy and say, crank them up. I mean, yeah. it's just, we, we can't do anything about it. On the other hand, um, there's a way to, uh, to um, balance the hounding of excellence and performance with celebrating and encouraging and using your gifts and just 
kind of um, helping everybody lead well on Sundays and then increase that over the next year and lead a little better by next year and lead a little better by next year. And that success is really what helps the worship team stay motivated for the long haul. And, um, and then just knowing people, relationship matters in all this because some people really are motivated by, oh, wow, you learned the lead part to that song. Awesome. That's amazing. We got this down. We have to include this. Mm-hmm. Other electric guitar player may show up and they're like, how does that go again? I'm like, well, we don't have to do the whole interlude. We'll just kind of do a little lick and move on. Like mm-hmm. you just you help people feel like they've got, you know, that, that what they're doing is, is effective and successful. So putting people at ease, it's a mix of pressure and encouragement altogether. <laughs> yeah. If this was a, um, it is, it is a job for a whole lot of worship leaders and, and teams and all kinds of stuff. But if it was a, um, a secular job, if you're at a, at a nine to five workplace and you have performance, uh, evaluations and you have all these things, uh, there's a ton of pressure and it's your job and there's that, that mindset and you can get a little bit discouraged or you can just barrel through whatever you're going to do. But this isn't that this is serving. This is uh, leading people in the presence of God. And this is this is uh, experiencing grace and giving grace and that kind of thing. And so that should be um, uh, front and center of, of, okay, we're all going to give each other grace. We're all going to encourage each other for excellence, but but definitely have the grace there because that's what, that's what we're here for. Yep. And every once in a while, I do think it'd be fun if everybody did work nine to five, get ready for Sunday, <laughs> <laughs> pay everybody a, a salary and just some churches do that. I mean, they do they get yeah. big enough and that's kind of what you do. But um, yeah, what you just said is is right. Exactly. So we got two more here. Number, both of these are pretty simple, but one of them is just the after rehearsal time. And that's similar to the greeting time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so this is just another opportunity to engage. I usually go around and thank everybody and, um, if there's some part that I need to follow up with, like, Hey, really listen to that song and come back Sunday, ready to do it. Or, you know, somebody, um, sometimes we follow up with tech team, like, Hey, just make sure you fade that track out at the end. We're going to blah, blah, blah. And just anything like that, just to make sure people wrote down on their order, what it is. And, um, at times at the end of these, you know, rehearsals, you can get kind of cornered by somebody and you have to weigh that out. Like I try to say thanks and bye to everybody before I get cornered. But the the other side is, is that it's about people. We want to care for people and love people. And if there is something major going on, then I'm happy, you know, once in a great while to be totally monopolized at the end because this person is in need. And so, and, and we've had that over the years. I mean, like some major life change is happening with somebody or some huge thing with their daughter or mom or, you know, like whatever, or dad, some big thing going on They're They're explaining it to me or somebody's gone through you know, just got a cancer diagnosis. I mean, you don't just say, yeah, let's talk tomorrow. I'm going to say bye to everybody. <laughs> like yeah. you just, yeah. everybody else fends for themselves and you focus on this big need, but you have to kind of, um, you know, weigh that out. You don't want to get monopolized and cornered by the same person every single week. Cause you have to like have that time. And that's where it kind of, you know, the, the times of like leaving the 99 to work with the one mm-hmm. versus, um, versus letting the one know they're very special you got plenty of time for them, just not right this second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, that's all part of that. Yeah. And attitude uh, is everything. If you're in a hurry and you can only have 10 seconds to talk to them, those 10 seconds, if you feel that with uh, just a really good attitude, they will feel that importance. They will feel like they are important versus, uh, Hey, I, I got to talk to you later. See ya. Yep. That's definitely true. Sunday morning sound check and double check. I'm pretty sure every church does this to some degree. Uh, I just don't trust practicing on Wednesday night 
at 7.45 p.m. and then showing up Sunday 15 minutes early, plugging in and going because yeah. something's going to be messed up again. And so we oh, we, we meet uh, 90 minutes before church starts and we run through everything and talk through everything again and give ourselves about 40 minutes to do that. And then we go back and make a prayer circle and have snacks and talk and visit. And then around 10.05, we kind of go back out into the worship area for people, um, you know, coming in, everybody getting ready and stuff like that. Music's playing. And then we walk up and lead. So hmm. uh, that's pretty much the flow on Sundays. That's what we're missing. Snacks. Snacks. <laughs> we, <laughs> we don't do that. We never did snacks until we used to have donuts for the whole church. And then COVID hit, no donuts at all. And then after COVID, we're like, do we really need to go back to donuts? Because the church is spending, you know, $10,000 a year just handing out donuts, yeah. which is nice and hospitable. But it's also not the healthiest thing in the world. And yeah. so we kind of switched gears. But at the same time, realized that it wasn't very hospitable to the teams who were here from seven to noon. Because mm-hmm. they're like, you know, investing a lot of time and there's no breakfast kind of. Yeah. So we started having breakfast for the worship and tech teams and some hospitality people, anybody that was like around all morning mm-hmm. and kind of in the back room and had volunteers do that. And that's been going on now for two and a half years. That's of just people bringing breakfast. So sometimes it's just somebody brings a couple dozen donuts and that's great. And other times people like bring decorations and biscuits and gravy and egg casserole. And like wow. sometimes it's over the top and it, everybody's always like, you're making us look bad. Don't bring so much great stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's just funny how it all works out, but that's been, that's been really neat. So our schedule changed nine months ago, like I mentioned, and everybody's like, are we going to stop the breakfast? We can't, we can't stop it. So now we don't even, people aren't there that long, but they still just like getting together and having food and talking before we go sing, hmm. which for classically trained vocalists is probably like the worst possible thing. Right. You know, drink chocolate milk and eat egg casserole <laughs> Coffee, and go up and lead music. And, yeah. <laughs> oh man. But it's a culture builder. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Some people, um, some of the worship team members who aren't on the schedule that day, don't feel like they should go in and have snacks. So they'll go over and they'll like clean a couple things off the soundboard and say, I, I was part of the worship ministry today. Then they'll walk in there and start. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you said you stopped serving donuts and then uh, you thought it wouldn't be hospitable. I thought you were going to say, cause you were talking about health. I thought you were going to say it wouldn't be hospitable to serve broccoli. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. That wouldn't <laughs> be good either. We do have granola bars out sometimes. Okay. But one of these days we'll probably get back to something, but I just don't know what it is. So well, not broccoli. Yeah, not broccoli. All right. <laughs> well, great stuff. And it really is a framework for several hours worth of flow, the prep, the night itself, the 75 to 90 minute rehearsal and the Sunday. Yeah. And it's probably true that we could probably do a whole nother episode just on that 75 to 90 minute because that is what people think of when they think of the rehearsal. But for this post and this podcast, we're basically just looking at the overall schedule for just how we do rehearsal nights. Definitely. And for everyone listening, a big thank you. We'd love for you to share this podcast with your team, your leadership, or your worship leader friends. And look forward to continuing the conversation next time. We've got some great interviews coming up and much more on the Worship Leader Toolbox podcast.